maybe didn't have a clue what I was speaking on this morning. Um, I think you got to realise that don't bother to ask me for a scripture. Um, but I'm going to quote a song later on this morning. But this is how bad my memory is because I've already forgotten what the first song was. Um, I know the theme of it. Because he lives. Because he lives. I can face tomorrow. And the song we've just sang, Our God Reigns, reminds us that he does reign. And because he reigns, we have total trust and confidence in him. Do we? Do we? And it's going to come out in the theme of what I want to share this morning. About the fact that God does reign. And we need to surrender everything to him. I've got a title for what I want to share this morning. And it's simply this. It's a feast that ends up with a funeral. A feast that ends up with a funeral. And Ian's already thinking to himself, <laughs> there's the two words beginning with F. Well, I'll let you work them out as we go along. A feast that ends up with a funeral. Daniel chapter 5. You don't have to turn to it at the moment, or you can, because I'm going to read some verses from there as we're going along. But my text we'll come to in a moment. So turn to it, Daniel 5, if you want to. But the story that we're confronted with in this chapter of Daniel chapter 5 is, is very well known. When we get to this chapter, we're down in Babylon. The king at that time is Belshazzar. And it tells us that he's decided that he's going to throw a party. It wasn't just going to be any old party. It says that he was going to have a great feast. And it says that he invites 1,000 of his lords. Now that's a big party to us, isn't it? But interesting, as I've been studying this chapter and doing a little bit of research, I've discovered that in those days a feast of a 1,000 is not very big. But even though a 1,000 was not very big in number, it says in the word of God it was going to be a great feast. So it's not talking so much about the numbers, but about the feast itself, a great feast. Research that I've discovered tells me that often in those days they would dine daily, not with a thousand or two thousand or three thousand, they would often dine daily with 15,000 people at one feast. And in 879 BC, it is recorded that a feast took place, and I'd like to give you the opportunity to have a guess as to how many people you thought were at that guest. And I'm glad I wasn't footing the bill. Or washing the dishes. Or washing the dishes, yeah. Anyone like to hazard a guest? 40,000. 40,000? It's more than that. It's between the two. 69,000. 574 guests. Wow, what a party that must have been. But it continues to say concerning this party that the king enjoyed the wine so much as he drank before the lords that he decided that he was going to call those in charge to go and to get the vessels of gold and silver 
that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple when he had besieged Jerusalem 70 years before. The very same time that he had taken many captives, including the Hebrew lads that I talked about a couple of weeks ago, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they get the vessels, and they start to drink from those vessels, and the feast is in full swing, and they drank, and they drank, and they drank till they became frivolous. And we need to remember that in using these vessels, they were using items that had been set apart for holy purposes. They were not meant to be used for debauchery. They were for the glory of God and not for the pleasure of men. They were to be attached to the fear of God, not to making a fool out of God. And as far as Belshazzar and the lords were concerned, it was a stonker of a party. And it says that they even threw in some praise, but not to the true and living God. But they praised the gods that were made from gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. In other words, they worshipped false gods. But while all this was going on, the party in full swing, suddenly something happened that was going to disrupt the atmosphere of the party and cause the boozing king to go into shock. He was going to become fearful and he was going to become frightened. And this is what it says in verses 5 to 6. Immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand and the king saw the hand as it wrote then the king's colour changed and his thoughts alarmed him his limbs gave way and his knees knocked together he was frightened he was fearful and so the story continues in Daniel 5 that the king demanded to get all the clever guys in his kingdom to come to him and they were to tell him exactly what was going on and his demand to them was read this what does it say more importantly what does it mean he demanded shaking on the spot with his knees still knocking and verse 8 to 9 says this then all the king's wise men came in but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his colour changed and his lords were perplexed. He was in a fix. What on earth is going on? What on earth am I going to do? My clever men don't even know what's going on. And you can imagine his knees knocking more than ever before. His body's just trembling with fear. What is happening in this feast that I have put together? But then the queen remembered and said to him, There was a man in your kingdom. And this man was Daniel, one of the Hebrew lads. He was brought before the king and given the same challenge of all the clever guys before him. And he began to explain exactly what was written and what it meant. And we jump to verses 25 
to 28. And this is the writing that was inscribed, Mini, Mini, Tikal and Parsin. This is the interpretation of the matter, Mini, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tikal, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. And Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Imagine how the king now must have felt. That's what it means. My kingdom has been weighed. My kingdom's going to be divided. He must have began to think of his mind, all that I built up, all that my father's built up, all that my father, grandfather has built up, it's going to be taken from us. But the verse that I want us to go to in particular is verse 23. It's a long verse. In the English Standard Version, it contains 81 words. If you've got the King James Version or the NIV, don't start counting them. I'll tell you how many are in there. King James Version, 78. And the NIV has 75. But let's read what it says in verse 23. This is Daniel talking to Belshazzar. But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood and stone which do not see or hear or know but the God in whose hands is your breath and whose are all your ways, you have not honoured. I'm not going to read the whole of that verse again. But it explains what Belshazzar had been doing. False worship, frivolous behaviour, and he had flagrantly abused the vessels from the temple. But I want to take from the latter part of which it says, But the God in whose hand is your breath, and whose are all your ways, you have not honoured. The NIV puts it this way, But you did not honour the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. See, Belshazzar had taken in his hands the vessels and in drinking from them he had raised his hands to false worship and God had seen enough God had had enough so he shows his hand by coming and writing on the wall and in so doing to pronounce his judgment upon the foolish king see God was about to show Belshazzar you think you have it all. You think you can do what you like. You think that your hand controls everything and everyone around you. Well, look out because I've got the upper hand. And I'm going to show you by not only taking your kingdom from you, but also by taking your life away. And verses 30 to 31 show us exactly what happened. It says that very night... Not the next day, 
not a week later, not a month later, but that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Let me read that final statement again in verse 23. But the God in whose hand is your breath, and whose are all your ways, you have not honoured. What God spoke to Belshazzar, he may also need to speak to us today. Or some of us today, I don't know. He certainly would have after spoken it to us all before our conversion, but what about after? For it reminds us that whether we like it or not, that God holds our lives in his hands. That's that first song. God holds our lives in his hands. It is from him that we get our breath and all our ways are in his hands. See, Belshazzar thought that he controlled his life. He thought that he could plan. He could do whatever he wished. But God says, no. No, Belshazzar. You can't control your life. You can't do whatever you wish because I am in control. And didn't Belshazzar know it that night? For the feast ended up leading to his funeral. See, failure to honour God cost him. It not only cost him the kingdom, but it cost him his life. And that very night, the Babylonian Empire fell and the kingdom of the Medes and Persians, Persians took control and he died. See, Belshazzar preferred to play around. Belshazzar preferred to pray to false gods and as a result he paid with his life. And as Daniel revealed what the writing on the wall meant to Belshazzar, he reminded him of his grandfather. Now I know that the text says his father, but the Hebrew translation could mean father or grandfather, and we know that Nebuchadnezzar was not his father, so it must have been his grandfather. And he tells Belshazzar, Belshazzar you knew his story. And the story about Nebuchadnezzar was that he sought to exalt himself above God. And God came and dealt with Nebuchadnezzar by making him to become like a beast of the field. And he lived and ate from the grass of the ground and drank the dew from water until he repented. And Belshazzar would have known about that. And, and, and Daniel says to him, even though you knew what had happened to your grandfather, you failed to learn from it. And you have allowed the same pride to fill your heart. You followed him. You failed to humble yourself. You failed to recognize that your life and your ways are in the hands of the living God. Therefore, tonight your life will be taken from you. A few weeks ago, in junior church, Nebuchadnezzar gave the story about the greedy and the rich farmer. Luke chapter 12, 13 to 21. The story that reminds us that he built bigger and better bonds. All he thought about was self, riches and getting more. There was no time for God. And just like with Belshazzar, God said, enough is enough. And as he planned for even bigger and better, God stepped in 
and that night he died. See, he had failed to honour God. And verse 20 says in that chapter of Luke 12, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, well, whose will they be? But this is what God says to you and me. It's in the next verse, verse 21. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So as I've looked at this story from Daniel chapter 5 and even there from Luke chapter 12, there must be an application for us today. It's God's word. It's a living word. It's a powerful word. And God speaks to us through his word. And so what is the application for us? And it's simply quite this. Do we honour God with all of our lives? Do we honour God with all of our lives? Or do we behave like Belshazzar and the rich man and seek to live for ourselves, perhaps even without realising it? We are worshipping false gods by living for other things to satisfy us rather than the things of and the ways of God. We do what we want to do rather than surrendering fully to the will of God and his purpose for us. See, returning to verse 23, the first thing that Daniel told Belshazzar was that God holds your life in his hand. Secondly, what he told him was that God holds your ways in his hands. Let's look at them quickly. God holds your life in his hands. It was Job who said in chapter 12, verse 9 to 10, who amongst all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this. In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Let's just remind ourselves of what it says in Psalm 139. David saying, for you formed my inward part. He's speaking to God. You formed my inward part. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And it was to Jeremiah that God said that even before he was formed in his mother's womb, God said, I knew everything about you. And in Acts 17, 28, we read, for in him, that's in God, we live and move and have our being. See, God holds our lives in his hand. He holds my life. He holds your life in his hand. And I'm going to ask this question, are you glad? Are you glad? It's a mystery how God works, but we trust him. We trust him for every moment and for every breath that we breathe. On Friday night, you know, I think God wants to say something to us. Because on Friday night, the option was given for a song. And John asked for 183. And it goes like this. I'm going to read it all. God holds the key of all unknown. And I am glad. If other hands should hold the key, or if he trusted it to me, I might be sad. And I know. 
I know that if God left everything to me, I would be sad. I'd make a mess of it all. And I'm glad that he holds the key of all known. And I want him to hold the key of all unknown. And in the context of this hymn and what I'm sharing tonight, I want him to hold my life in his hands. What if tomorrow's cares were here without its rest? I'd rather he unlocked the door day. And as the arrows swing open, say, my will is best. The very dimness of my sight makes me secure. For groping in my misty way, I feel his hand. I hear him say, my help is sure. I cannot read his future plans, but this I know. I have the smiling of his face and all the refuge of his grace. While here below, enough. Enough. It is enough. And if you can't say that this morning, you need to come to the point of understanding by handing your life to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is enough because it, it covers all my wants. And so I rest for what I cannot even see. And in his care I saved shall be forever blessed. Going back to junior church this morning, it's all about allowing him to be our shepherd. And the Lord is my shepherd. Allowing him to control our lives. So God holds our life in his hands. He holds our way in his hands. Job 31 verse 4 again. Does he not see my way and number my steps? Isn't that amazing? That should bless us this morning that God knows your way. He knows our steps. And another psalm says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. This is our Lord. Proverbs 5.21 For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all his paths. And then that well famous verse, Proverbs 3.5-6 Trust in the Lord with all. With all. Not a part. 10%, 20 20%, 25%, 50%, 75%. Not at all. Because that will be worthless. That will be pointless. Trust in the Lord with 100% of your heart. All your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. Do not lean on your own understanding. Well there's one thing for sure. Belshazzar was leaning on his own understanding. He was trusting himself. He was saying, I know best. I've got it all. This is what I'm going to do. I will, I will. And how often do we think that we know best instead of trusting God and leaning on him in every way. In all your ways acknowledge him. In all your ways acknowledge him. It is Clear as black and white. In all your way means in everywhere. In every way. In every area of our lives. And with everything. In our home. In our families. In our marriages. In our workplace. In everything. We should not only honour God. But we should also trust him. God said this to Solomon 1 Chronicles 28. And you Solomon my son. Know the God of your father. And serve him with a whole heart. There it is again. 100%. And with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts. 
and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Wow. That should make us sit up and listen. But not only sit up and listen, but sit up and obey. For if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Well, that happened to Belshazzar, didn't it? He was cast off forever. See, I need to bring this to a conclusion. The Belshazzar story reminds us that God overrules in all the affairs of man. So don't worry about what's going on in the nation. Don't worry about the Tory government. All those that would love to take their place, they're just as bad. God overrules. God overrules in the affairs of man. It is God who overthrows and raises up. It's God always has his spokesperson. And here it was Daniel. It could be you today. Could be me today. As we surrender to him. And God expects us to learn from past mistakes. Both those of others, as Belshazzar should have learned from Nebuchadnezzar's mistakes. But we need to learn from our own mistakes as well. And God is sovereign. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. And the gods of this world, as I said, they're flooding into our nation. But our God reigns. He is sovereign. If we choose to live for ourselves and for our own satisfaction and leave God out of the equation, we are heading for trouble. Like Belshazzar. But if we live our lives by surrendering them into his hands and for the fulfillment of his purpose, then we're going to head for blessing. Blessing. See, in Daniel chapter 5, the one, Belshazzar, he fooled around with God. And he thought he could get away with it. But the lesson is this, we cannot play around with God. We are either for him or we're against him. And we need to decide today as to whom we are going to serve. And for what purpose we are going to live our lives. Is it for selfish pleasure and gain or is it going to be for the glory of God? This week, Friday morning I think it was, sometimes I get a notification on my phone from YouTube. I don't know how, but I did. And I looked at what it was. And, and I don't remember exactly how it was worded, but it just ties in with what I'm going to share this morning, what I'm sharing. Comedian who fooled with God falls. So I quickly looked at it, and some comedian, either in America or Canada, I'm not sure, the North Americas anyway, was going through a routine, and as she was going through a routine, she came to a point where she openly, by what she said, mocked Jesus. And instantly that she mocked Jesus, she fell forward to the ground, and she banged her head and fractured her skull. She survived, she's alive, may she learn from it. But it reminds us we cannot fool with God. Belshazzar did. Look what happened. The rich man in the parable, which is a lesson we learn from, was fooling about. 
but God stepped in. We've got to be determined to make up our minds. We're for God or we're against him. And the second person in Daniel 5 was Daniel and he knew God's favour. Remember how we learned a few weeks ago, he had determined that he was not going to compromise his faith in any way. And as a way, God blessed him. I wonder how we're compromising our faith today. I wonder. I can only look into my own heart. You can only look into your own heart and think of what we're doing and everything else and ask, are we compromising our faith? Are we making a fool of God? See, we choose to serve the gods of this world or the true and the living God. We choose to walk on either the broad road that will lead to destruction or the narrow road that leads to life everlasting. And I'm going to close with some verses again from Psalm 139 that remind us of the comfort of acknowledging God in all our ways. And they should be a challenge to us that if we don't acknowledge God in all our ways, it tells us, oh, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. He knows about us. He searches us. He searches our hearts. He searches our mind. He searches our ways. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. He knows what we're doing. He knows where we're going. He knows where we're at. We can't hide anything from him. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. Wow. Before I speak, he knows what's going to come out. That's incredible. Absolutely amazing. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. My heading was this, a feast that ended up with a funeral. I bet when he planned that feast, he didn't realise his funeral would take place so quickly. Can I say this morning that your funeral and mine, because unless the Lord comes again, it's going to happen for every one of us, can end up with a feast. Not a wake or a reception in some building down here. But if we acknowledge the Lord in all our ways and surrender our lives to him as Lord and Saviour, as we've learned this morning, he becomes our shepherd and one day he will prepare a feast for us in his dwelling place. And we will dwell there forever. And that feast that we're going to enjoy in the presence of God will be a feast that trounces any other feast that has ever been held for around the table will not be a crowd of 69,574 guests as I mentioned at the beginning but will be the billions the billions who have acknowledged Jesus as Lord so this is the final challenge this morning that feast is going to take place, whatever. Jesus said, I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is the final challenge this morning. 
when that feast takes place, will you be there? Will you be there? Because the only ones that are going to be at that feast are those who acknowledge that they're sinners and have acknowledged that they need to come and to repent of their sin and to allow Jesus to come and to be not just their saviour but Lord of their life as well. And so are you trusting Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you allowed him to come and to be Lord of your life? Because it's only when you know that you have that your funeral will lead you to be in that feast. Because the alternative is a fire. The fire of hell. Lost. Cut off. From the presence of God. For eternity. So let's examine our own hearts. If you know the Lord and yet you're not surrendering in all your ways to him. Do that. Do that. Can't just give 50%. It must be 100%. He gave his all for us. He deserves our all back. And if you don't know Jesus, if you've never surrendered your life to him, then make him your choice today. Speak with me after one of the other leaders. And we gladly lead you to know Jesus as your saviour and Lord.